Hello and welcome to the first strip-till farmer podcast of 2024. And thanks to our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment, for making this podcast series possible. I'm Noah Newman, your host, technology editor. So on this episode of the podcast, Randy Bump takes us inside his strip-till operation in Albany, Wisconsin, which is in the southern portion of the state. Bump explains the keys to success for making 100% of his strips in the spring and how to manage his number one concern, seed-to-residue contact. Plus, he shares some of the key equipment adjustments he's made over the years, including a switch from shank units to disc units. Here's Randy. This next year will be my ninth year strip killing. And the first three years, we ran a shank machine. was strictly rotated corn, just doing strips in, in the bean ground, planting in it with corn. And then in 2019, I wanted to go back to a bunch more corn on corn. So that's when we went to the Don Flairbus unit in 19 and had been running that, doing quite a bit of continuous corn on corn. So I started probably back, I'm going to say in the early 2000s, went out to Iowa, looked at a very good farmer's operation out there, very large farmer operation out there. And it was uh, probably end of June, so we were looking at V7, V8, corn on corn. And I was like, what in the heck are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, strip till. And, you know, I wanted to start doing a strip till so bad back then. But, you know, it, it wasn't in the early 2000s. It wasn't a lot of people doing it and stuff like that. And at that time, I worked 100% full-time off the farm. And I was kind of hiring a lot of my farm work being done on it. But then I just finally, in uh, 2014, I said, we're going to do something. And one of the main reasons I wanted to get into it is, is that in my soil types, I have uh, all types, southern Wisconsin soils, sandy, clay, and, and good soil as well. But I was fertilizing in the spring of the year because I didn't, in the sand, you got a lot of mobility with the nutrients. And uh, so a lot of my fertilizer was going on in the spring of the year anyway. So this was where I'm like, well, let's let's go strip till on, in the spring of the year. So being an agronomist, I've seen everything, right, you know, that works and doesn't work. And mostly you see what doesn't work a lot of times. So um I, I would say that the, the, the main reason why I got into it is what I like about plant health when it gets up and gets out of the ground, you know, nutrients right there. Um, I, I do save some money on fertilizer. I mean, there's there's no doubt I'm not, you know, if, if it calls for 300 pounds of potash, you know, I'm not putting 300 pounds spinner spread out there. You know, I might be running 200 to 225, somewhere in there on it. Then the other thing is, I'm kind of a one-man show, so I didn't want a whole bunch of hired work. You know, I, I'd done paid guys for a number of years, did conventional tillage. You know, I was paying a lot of guys, and I kind of wanted to get back to doing a lot myself. So, um, less equipment, and can kind of get a lot more done with strip tilling, I think, um, than I did in the past. My yields, I mean, I was raising good corn before, but I knew what was going to happen. And uh, my yields are significantly better. Uh, I 
I, I have just as good a yield corn on corn as I do on rotated. And I actually have some better yields on corn on corn out here. Um, and continuous corn for seven, eight years. And I'm not looking back on it either. So, no. What, what are your average yields, would you say? So I, I, I'm over the 200. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing farm averages of 210 and stuff on it. So um, I'm happy with that. Here's, here's the thing that I would say is that the top end yield, and it, and it might be hybrids, you know, but the top end yield, I don't see where it stops in my strip till operation, where in the past, you know, it was almost like in conventionals, there was a there was a top end that it stopped at, but I don't know where the top end is yet in strip till because, like I say, every year I'm amazed at how how good yields are on things. Yeah, so so you're saying you don't really see the ceiling. You you wouldn't be surprised every nope. every year if you set a new yield high. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, this year, this year was a little dry. So, you know, I farmed a couple counties. I had one county I made APH, another county I didn't make APH. You know, so, um, but till, till this year, I mean, I've been steadily going up in yields. I mean, I have, you know, 250 to 275 bushel yields, but to do, you know, full farms of 210 to 225, I'm, you know, that's kind of where I'm at in, in today's world on things. So you have, you have 800 acres, correct? Yep. And then um, 300 acres of continuous corn. Now, now, do you strip till all of your corn and soybeans or you're just strip tilling corn so, or how does that work? So right now, no, I'm, I'm strictly just strip tilling corn. I done three years of beans into it. And over those three years of period, I'm not sure I've seen the advantage to it. So, you know, there's a cost of running the piece of equipment. There's so what any of those fields that are going into beans. So I'm running two years worth of fertilizer in that strip. You know, the, so if it's going to be corn this year and then beans in 2025, I'm running two years worth of fertilizer into that script but no I, I i've done that in the past i've done the strip till beans and i just saw about a bushel and a half advantage on it so so then are your soybeans uh no-till or yep okay yep. soybeans soybeans are no-tilled in the corn stubble and um <laughs> every, i'm getting less and less um you know one of the things that this is just off you know, I don't, I don't like soybeans. I'd rather raise corn anyway. So this year I started with 40 acres of uh, strip cropping, which is, you know, 12 rows of corn, 12 rows of beans across the 40. And uh, I'm going to 220-some acres this next year of the strip cropping on it. And so, you know, I'll, so I'll, I'll be strip tilling into the bean stubble and then plant corn in there and then, you know, just rotate back and forth doing that. But... Um, so I'm probably, you know, I, that was just kind of a ballpark, you know, sometimes. So there's 350 ish acres that have been corn on corn at least since 2017. You know, we do, we, we've seen a lot of, uh, fall strip till versus yes. spring strip till, you know, what's the better option. So if you could just kind of take me through yep. your uh, whole strip till process in the spring and, and why the spring is the best option for you. Okay, so with with the clay contents that I have on some hills and stuff like that, I just feel that the fall 
leaves a little bit more lumps in it and stuff. I mean, we tried fall. I just wasn't as, as happy with the strip in the spring. So with me running, so there's a couple of reasons why I do the spring. One is um, I want that residue to break down a little bit from the fall out there. So I'm actually, when I'm combining, I'm laying my field out for next year's strip till on it. I mean, it's, I'm, I know when I'm combined, I'm like, okay, I've got to have 12 rows going this way. And then when I strip till, you know, I jump every other 12 rows. So I'm laying that field out. But so spring to me is because I've got sandy soils and I don't want to lose those nutrients over the winter. So there's one reason why. Two, I think going over some of my clay hills, I, I get a little bit lumpy. You know, it might be a little bit wetter in the fall. So I wait, you know, maybe in the spring. And then, uh, Yet third, and maybe most important, is I'm running about 100 units of nitrogen in that strip in the spring. So, you know, I wouldn't want to be putting uh, urea and EMS out there in the fall of the year and expecting it to be there in the spring. So I want, um, depending on the field, you know, 100 100 pounds of nitrogen is the most I'm doing out there on it, but I'm doing anywhere from 60 to 100 pounds of nitrogen in the strip in the spring. And I just, I think in my soil types, I mean, I've been all over and looked at it. In my soil types, spring seems to work better for me. Gotcha. And then um, talking more about the fertilizer. So do you apply that with the strip till bar? Or? Yes. Yep. No, yep. I'm uh yeah. So it's in the strip till I'm applying nitrogen, potash, and pass the tap out there. I'm also, I've been doing a lot of micronutrients in there. So um, just about every acre gets boron on it. Uh, I'm getting a sulfur from the AMS in there. Uh, I've been playing around this last year and the year, year before, different kind of zincs in the dry fertilizer that's going out there. So be able to have that fertilizer in the strip where the corn's be, being readily available to it is pretty important to me. I just actually just signed the papers this morning. I just bought a new side dresser this morning. Oh, wow. Um, so I've, I've been running I've been running a Coulter machine dribbling off the back, but I, I bought a new one that we're going to run a Coulter machine with a knife behind it that I'm going to be knifing uh, liquid UAN in, in the ground. So I come back in there at the V V five to V seven time frame, and I'm I'm going in with another eight to hundred units of N at that time. So to get that nitrogen broke up when plants need it more readily is what I'm trying to do there by spreading that out. I I I know, I, I used to in the past I used to do a 60, 60, 60, what we call it. So I was doing sixty units up front with a plant or whatever, then 60 units weed and feed and 60 units side dressing at the end. But I basically have said, okay, let's make sure I know I got a bunch, bunch of nitrogen early on for the plant and then some a little bit later on. So, yeah, so that's the side dressing I'm doing. Gotcha. Believe me, Noah, I've tried in a number of years. I've, I've worked with a lot of different manufacturers. I'm like, I would like you guys to build a strip till machine that I can just automatically go back in there and then side dress 
Yeah, that, that would be great. I, I haven't found one that works. I think there's some people out there that are playing around with that, but that's something that I've asked a couple different people, um, you know, what, what's your thoughts on that? So Joe Bassett, who owns Dawn, I know Joe. I talk to Joe a couple times a year, you know, and, and uh, he, he's heard my comments on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so <laughs> well, that would be my ideal thing to do is be able to go back in and even, you know, uh, split apply some P and K later in the year. So, so when I'm side dressing, I'm also, every, every pass I go across, I've got sulfur. And so I'm, I'm using ammonia thiosalt in there on, on the UAN when I'm side dressing, ATS is going in on it. So it's not just UAN. I'm also playing around with some micros in the side dressing as well on it. Um, Always seeing what works and what doesn't work is kind of my goal. I'm running uh, the lowest rate. I'm running is 350 pounds the acre, and I'm all the way up to 570 pounds of the, an acre on it. So um, that's all done by soil types or uh, soil tests. You know, we're doing soil tests every three years on stuff, and. Uh, so we just redid soil tests this spring, so it, it, it moves a little bit. But, um, yeah, so any, 350 pounds an acre is the minimum, and 570 is the most I'll be putting on this year. And and, that, and that's total, so that's NPK, S, and micronutrients? Yep, yep. yep. So I, I'll give you an example here. I mean, I don't know if you put this in the article, but, the for instance, uh the lowest rate has 25 pounds of DAP, 25 pounds of potash, 150 of, UA, of uh, urea and EMS. But then like the highest one that's 570 here, I'm running like 160 pounds of DAP, 110 pounds of potash on, on those fields. And uh, so, some of those fields are a little sandy. So, you know, it requires a little bit more on them. But that's yeah. So my heavy my heavier dirt doesn't require quite as much P and K as some of my sandier soils do. My corn on soybeans, I don't use any nitrogen. You know, I don't use forty units of N. I just I anything that's soybeans, I consider that you know it's got to have nitrogen. You know, to me being an agronomist, I always tell people, hey, there's like three things I know corn needs: water. Sunlight and nitrogen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> there's there's a lot more. There's 25 other things, but you know those those three things are pretty key: water, sunlight, and nitrogen to make corn. What kind of planter do you have? I, I run a John. I run a John Deere planter. So I'm on the planter. Yeah. So we we done. I've done some changes on that. So uh, you know my strip till has uh, road cleaners on it. So I'm also running road cleaners. Um, on my planner and I so I, I usually try to get strip tilling 5th to 10th of April so I, I want to get in there as soon as it's dry enough that I can go and uh, so if those strips lay for a couple weeks for me I don't care it doesn't matter to me if they lay but then when I come in with a planner I'm also running roll cleaners on, on that and uh, th- them I'm really very lightly going on top of the strip. I don't want to disturb that strip much, but if there's a little root uh, root ball or something might be on there, I want that off. 
then I'm, I'm following up, coming back in, and I'm, I'm using uh, younger closing wheels on both sides on that. And I, I've done that for a couple of years. I think that stitching works real, really well in closing the, the seed furrow behind it. And I'm also dragging the other chain on the back end because I really want that berm i don't after i go across it with a planter sometimes you can get a little bit of indentation in there those chains seem to flatten that out because i don't want that to be indented and have water sit in that pass you know the berms there after i strip till it but sometimes that berm is very soft when you go across with the planter that's one of the maybe disadvantages of spring is that that berm is soft. You go across the planter, you can leave a little bit in temptation. So, you know, I don't run anything on my planter except for one thing, planter boxes. I don't have anything else because I, I want the least amount of weight going across that strip as possible. So I'm just running boxes on top of the roll. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's a good good way to minimize compaction and all that. Yep, right? yep. And let's burn a quick time out to share a message from Yetter Farm Equipment. Yetter Farm Equipment has been providing farmers with residue management, fertilizer placement, and seedbed preparation solutions since 1930. Today, Yetter is your answer for success in the face of ever-changing production agriculture challenges. Yetter offers a full lineup of planter attachments designed to perform in varying planting conditions, multiple options for precision fertilizer placement, strip-till units, and stalk rollers for your combine. Yetter products maximize your inputs, save you time, and deliver return on your investment. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Now back to the podcast. Do you use the same planter for soybeans too? Is it just the same? I, I do, yeah. Okay. I do. I'm running 30-inch beans on it. So, so I, it's probably been five years. I've, And it's not nothing new, but... You know, I plant my beans first, and I really don't get excited to go plant corn to me first. And I, I can have a whole bunch of neighbors run it, and I just, I, I kind of wait. I mean, I might start April 29th, 30th, but I, I'm i not going out there planting early just from the standpoint of I'm a seed agronomist. I see everything that's bad all the time, and what I've learned is that <laughs> it'll come up but it's just laying there for an extra 10 days or two weeks sometimes. So, so I'm, you know, it, if I, I got my planter all gone through, it's planted beans. I'm sitting usually waiting to plant corn and out there. Yeah, how many, how many rows is your, uh, plant? 12 rows. 12 so I'm rows. running, tw- yep. So I, I matched everything up 12 and, and you've heard this. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> one of the things that's really been awesome is the auto path from John Deere. So, you know, I, I, I started out before the first couple of years, we didn't run RTK. We were running just straight, you know, auto steer and, uh, made the jump to RTK. So I'm going out there and my strip till machine is laying the path for the planner to go along with. So after what, what, I mean, I'm running a globe on the strip till machine. So that's laying my path for the plant. So everything. 12 rolls following 12 rolls following 12 rolls. So everything I do is 12 rolls on it. So, so, you, so you've got the auto path thing is connected to your planner, right? So then what, 
What's connected? So, what's connected to the strip, the pluribus to make sure that it, you know what I mean, so, lines up. So there, there's a, there's a globe. When I go out there with a strip till, okay, it, it's you got it. It's the weirdest thing the first time. So you know, RTK the tractor drives everything, correct? Okay, so now I go out. There's a globe on the tractor. There's a globe on the strip till machine on the Dawn Polaris bar at the Moore bar with Dawn units on it pulling a Montague cart. So that path where those strips are made is being recorded by the Dawn strip till unit. That's recording the path. Then that globe is on the planner. And when I go out there, that planner is actually driving that tractor. The planner stays on it. And the, the planner tells the tractor where to go. It, the planner will not leave those strips. The, it's the weirdest feeling. Normally, you know, the tractor's pulling the planner in the past, but once you get to auto path, the planner is actually telling the tractor where to go. That planner stays right on that strip. And so, and so you just sit in the cab and let it do its thing and that's it? Yep, 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 yep. Wow. I just let it do, let it do its thing. So. That is an unbelievable technology. Yep. Auto pay. RTK is, is a given. I mean, everybody you probably talk to tells you that. You know, you got to have RTK. I agree with that 100%. Autopath, I think it's been out three years now from John Deere. And of course, it's like anything else, it has a couple hiccups first years. So, but I mean, that thing is, that thing is right on. And then, then you know, you come back and side dress and, I mean, you're, you just sit in the tractor in there and the side dressers doesn't run over any corn, just goes right down the rows. Now, I was raised driving a tractor <laughs> you know, on a farm. So, so my, my dad's 82 years old and he just shakes his head at me when he watches me in the tractor or combine just sitting there looking around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, the, so you use the auto path for side dressing for everything then? Yep. I'm using John Deere auto path for everything. Wow, that's pretty Combining and everything. Yep, combining and everything on her. I'm excited because, you know, my number one problem, concern is always residue. Um, but the short corn, I'm going to get about 40 acres of that this year to try. It's it's a, it's a new technology that Bears came out with that, you know, so there should, it, 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 it'll have the same number of nodes as a regular corn plant. They're just compacted and it's shorter on it i got a young guy uh kind of a neighbor he uh he he's going into strip killing so he's been talking to me well this summer he, he goes i gotta come look at your stuff he goes because he goes I, I drive by yours and i see how great it looks and stuff so normally with somebody like that and i've done this with other guys what i do is first thing i do is i take them to my best dirt that does 275 bushes and then we walk out there and i go Here's your number one concern, and it's full of residue because, I mean, it's been corn on corn for years, and there's a lot of residue out there. And I always say, here's your number one concern if you're going to do strip and corn on corn is controlling your residue. So I said that's kind of key on some of that. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, you've heard it. You've talked strip tillers. And as you mentioned, you know, that the residue management, it all starts in the fall when you're um, right. and you're harvesting, right. right? So you put on the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the so devastators. devastators. Yeah. That, yep. So I've run them for three years now. Um, 
I changed corn heads a couple of years ago. And we went to more aggressive roll corn rolls on the head, and then uh, I started out with the other devastators, and I, I think I got it down now that you know. When I say so, and if you know what they are, they're they're underneath the corn head, and they're roll they're rolling. They got little they're like knives that go over top of the roll. So as you're driving one way, you know you're you're rolling down twelve rolls of corn. Well, you don't want a strip till going the opposite way in that. So that's why I say when I'm out there combining, I'm going okay. There's these twelve rolls are going to go north. And I'm going to, when I'm stripping, I don't turn right around and come back down the next 12. I go up, skip 12, come back down. So I'm going up 12 rows, laying corn down with the udders. I'm skipping over 24 rows, and then I'm going back down. So I have to look, so I'm laying the field out. I learned that after the first year is that, oh, yeah, you don't want these, you know, willy nilly laying out there. It's got to be laid out the right way. Um, that's just, you know, running running the more aggressive stock rolls and then running these other devastators of help. Um, I, I've, I've talked to strip tillers that run the chopping corn heads. They're, they're happy with them. And, you know, and there's some of them that are like, it actually makes too much of a mat out there. So I'm not sure the answer on the chopping corn heads. Gotcha. <laughs> I, would, I would say it's this way. You, there's loving people that love it. There's people that are like, yeah, that didn't work for me. So I, that's why I haven't went to a chopping corn head yet. I see. I see. A- any other um, things that you uh, recommend people can do to, to manage that residue if they're doing corn on corn or is it? Well, I mean, one of the things I haven't done, but I'd like to do is there's some biologicals out there that you want to spray on in the fall of the year on it. So, the one thing I would say is that if, if you're going to do that heavy, if you're going to do corn on corn, you kind of want to watch that you're getting a medium hybrid, medium stature, medium height hybrid. You know, you don't want a real tall thing because the taller they are, the more residue they're going to leave out there. So that's one of the things I always look at is what size of that plant is, how tall the plant stature is on it. Um, one of the other things that you can – control with the residue is especially if you got the heavy residue is i really tell the guys you want to look at make sure you got strong emerging hybrid on it you know because you're going to clean that roll as much as possible but you're still going to get some residue to be in that strip and wherever kernel seed kernel touches a touches a residue you know there's a little bit of a chance that it might not emerge exactly so I look for a strong emergence hybrids and they got good disease tolerance just because I am going to get some seed corn on, on residue mixed in. I tr- the number one thing I try to stop is that. That's my whole thing is trying to make sure I don't have any residue in that row. But you're going to get some. So yeah. understanding that that means, hey, make sure you got you got a hybrid that emerges, you know, good and then has good disease on it. Yeah, so so hybrid selection is that's a big deal if you're gonna yep. be able to pull yep. this off successfully. Yes, yep, I I, I think it is. Yeah. So, yep. Um, th- talking more about the uh, the strip till. So, how deep do you build your strips, and how deep are you per- placing fertilizer and all that? So, so I'm I'm running about 
three and a half to five inches, depending on on fields. I can change it pretty pretty fast, but I would say my average is about four inches deep. And so running the disc holders, you know, I'm I'm running those about four inches deep, so that means that this, the fertilizer being blown into that mixing action. So I've got fertilizer through that whole burn from four inches down to almost right to the top. You can find the fertilizer on it. So gotcha. And then and then you plant uh, two plugs, right on it, right on it, about two to three inches deeper somewhere. Yeah. So I'm running at least two two inches plus deep. Yep. So. That, that's another one of the reasons why I, I now I I planted behind the heavy uh, fertilizer application a couple of days, but that's kind of why I, I want two weeks of that uh, fertilizer sitting out there. I mean, with a with the amount of load that I'm putting out there in fertilizer, I sometimes I don't want to plant exactly right on you know two days later. Now there's guys out there. They'll strip, and then they'll within 24 to 48 hours they're planting on it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but they might not be running as hot of a fertilizer mix as I am on it. So yeah. for me to get the layout there, it mellows it out, mellows the soil a little. I, no, I'll tell you, one of the best things that happens on spring spring strip tilling is spring strip till and get a nice half inch to three quarter inch rain on it. That makes that so much nicer to plant into because it puts just a little bit of a crust on the top and you don't sink the planter into that berm as much. I planted, you know, we've had, was it two springs ago? I mean, we stripped till, never had any rain, and that was probably, yeah, it was in this 2022. Yeah, it was just, man, man, it was just like, planting in a garden it was that fluffy into that so i like to get a nice half inch to three quarter inch rain on top of that strip after i've stripped it and then plant right on top of that and yeah. that was i think works with us yeah that would be perfect it was it was dry this year but if i remember wasn't the spring pretty pretty wet though wasn't it, it no? was yeah it, so we we had some rains i mean it's once once it dried out though uh so we, yeah we had april i'd say 20th on we had some rains off and on but once it dried out first of may i mean it was like within eight ten days everybody was done planting because it, it was just non-stop goal then. yeah so yeah we had we had good planting this spring now do you, do you use a lot of test plots to kind of uh, test hybrids I do. so i i uh i have a hybrid test plot a couple of them every year on my farm so i'm i'm doing corn on corn uh just to, so I can look at what I think works best for corn on corn, and I'm doing corn on soybean test plots to look at it. That's hybrid. I have <laughs> I I do a bunch of fertilizer stuff, you know. So I haul my own fertilizer. I go pick it up, and I can blend different stuff in it as 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 I order and stuff like that. So um, I'm doing a lot of different fertilizer tests out there and stuff. I've done. This last year, we did some uh, uh, impregnating of the fertilizer, some different biological stuff like that, just to see. And and uh, I, 
you see advantages, you don't see advantages. And if I, you know, I'm going to try it on my farm first before I do a whole bunch of acres to it. So, yeah. Um, one, one of the things that worked really well this year is a product is called Biker Coat. So it's, it's coated on my, uh, potash and, and dap. So, um, that, that, that looked really good. So I'm doing a bunch more of that this next year. When you switch from the shank unit to the Dawn disc units, so what, what, what's like the big difference between the two in terms of, you know, why do the discs work better for using the shanks? So the shanks, I, I thought put more, um, lumps there's more more lumpy soil behind it but that's that that could be because of the clay content in my soil on it um the shank also was running uh a little bit deeper and of course we got rocks here so we we're pulling rocks up but the main reason i switched was we were running the shank unit uh we were just you know strip tilling into beans and planting corn we were 50 50 at that time and then uh so I, I've always liked corn, so I can give, give you a quick back. In 2004 is when my dad and uncle retired, and I was working you know, off the farm as a, as a seed agronomist. And uh, so I took over then, and I, for 10 years, uh, or I'm sorry, eight years, I did a lot of corn on corn. And then in 12, the drought hit, 2012, then I went back to 50-50. So then I did 50-50 for uh uh, till 2018, and this ain't, this isn't a political statement, but in 18 is when President Trump did the uh, embargo or whatever or with China. So I'm like, oh shoot, I don't want to plant soybeans. You know, they ain't going to buy any from us. So I went yeah. back to a bunch of corn on corn. Yeah, and the shank machine just did not work on corn on corn. I just, we just uh, we had tried it. We couldn't. It was plugged up all the time. It was a John Deere uh, 2510S shank machine. It was just plugging all the time. So I knew I had to go to uh, some sort of a disc unit, and that's when I went to the, the Dons. I knew a couple guys that were running the Dons. Oh, okay. Um, I see. Interesting. Oh, and the other thing is <laughs> the shank unit takes more horsepower. I mean, you're going to have to have more horsepower to pull the shank unit till uh huh. the the dawn's a lot less horsepower oh, and the shank a shank unit is going to probably run you about 35 to 40 horse per row where the dawn's i think it's rated like 15 to 18 so it's almost half oh wow the horsepower yeah it takes almost half the horsepower and that'll do it for this week's edition of the strip till farmer podcast Thank you to Yetter Farm Equipment for sponsoring the podcast. And thank you to Randy Bump for taking some time out of his busy day to join us for that thought-provoking conversation. Until next time, for all things Strip Till, head to striptillfarmer.com. I'm Noah Newman. See you next time.